Support for this podcast is provided by Schwabi, Williamson, and Wyatt, committed to redefining client service around one ambition, to master their clients' industries. More on what it means to be represented by Schwabi at schwabi.com. And Blue Collar Agency. Blue Collar is a full-service advertising agency with talent on both coasts. They believe in the truth of their blue-collared forefathers. Hard work gets things done. See how it influences everything they do at bluecollaragency.com. So that gender pay gap experience was the linchpin for PDX Women in Tech, which now is so much more than that. I mean, in, in its original form, it was sort of a, uh, a stopgap or a safety net for those of us in tech who were feeling adversity or feeling alone. But now we've actually reached a critical mass where we can make change in Portland. So Megan, thanks for being on the podcast. It's my pleasure. So Megan Miguel, you're the co-founder of PDX Women in Tech. You're also a director here at JAMA Software. Uh, we're in here in downtown Portland. So, you know, I was really excited to have you on. There's so many things to talk about. Obviously, I want to talk about PDX Women in Tech, how you kind of co-founded that. Um, you know, this new series, Chasing Grace. That's, I think, premiering, is it next week or two weeks? Yeah, March 25th. Okay, here in Portland for the yeah. first episode. It's six episodes, I believe. Um, but I always, always ask people, you know, what is your origin story as far as, you know, leading up to getting into tech and being in Portland, and then we'll hop into uh, you co-founding uh, PDX Women in Tech. So if you don't mind, just, I know it's a big, hairy question, but yeah. just kind of kicking it up. Okay, there's a, it's a big story, but I'll, I'll uh, make it interesting. So I've actually, I've grown up in this area, so I was born in, uh, actually in Portland, but grew up in Battleground, Washington, and moved to Portland in 2001. So I'm a, like a total native. In terms of how I got into tech, my first experience was when I was seven years old. My grandfather moved down the street from my house, and he had computers. So that was my very first experience. And then uh, a couple of years later, when I was in the eighth grade, I actually, uh, by myself, was able to get his computer connected to the bulletin board system. So it was my first experience with the internet. And then uh, I went to school to get my management information systems degree and then from there just had a series of technical roles after school got it and so yeah. when you moved to portland uh, what was your first kind of role in tech here mm-hmm. in 2001 yeah. obviously it- that's kind of right post the crash yeah. so yeah i actually worked at a help desk at uh, Willamette Industries, which doesn't exist anymore so it was in the lumber industry okay <laughs> yeah very oregon yep. yeah yep okay so you know, one of the things I did want to get into, you co-founding PDX Women Tech. So two weeks ago, I think you did this posting on TAO's website. Mm-hmm. And it was a really powerful posting. You talked about when you first got into tech, um, you were super excited about getting this new job, working for a manager you really admired. You overheard a coworker uh, had the same job as you mm-hmm. in their salary. Yep. And that led to kind of sparked a series of events yep. that you... You talked about in this posting how you know you wanted to work really hard to close that gap on yourself, right? Mm-hmm. Go, you got your MBA, you signed up for all these leadership things, but it was more systemic than that, right? Yeah. So if you can talk about a little bit of that posting and you know leading to you founding the organization, yeah. it'd be great. Yeah, of course. Okay, so the the situation was 
quite simple. I, like you said, I had overheard my boss actually uh, preparing an offer for someone joining our team. And I found out that that person was going to be making 30% more than me doing the exact same job. And in fact, once that individual started, it became clear that not only were we doing the same job, but I was outperforming him. And and it, ter- it took me into a downward spiral of feeling inadequate, isolated, and actually, frankly, ashamed because I knew something about him that I wasn't actually supposed to know. And I didn't have anyone to go to to talk about it. And so feeling uh, in, in intensely inadequate, like you said, I did all of these activities to overcome that gap. And it, it took me five years to finally get to the other side of it and recognize that, okay, so I turned a really bad situation into an opportunity to build myself up and become more skilled and I realized that I was actually quite confident in myself at that point and leveraged that into building what I felt was necessary in this community, which was a community for women in technical careers. So that gender pay gap experience was the linchpin for PDX Women in Tech, which now is so much more than that. I mean, in, in its original form, it was sort of a uh, a stopgap or a safety net for those of us in tech who were feeling adversity or feeling alone. But now we've actually reached a critical mass where we can make change in Portland. And it's very, very exciting. Because it started really too, like you said, this kind of safety net or, and it was really just happy hours. Yeah. Right. And it's become so much more than that. So, yeah. you know, I am in the events kind of world and that's always a great place to start with those gatherings. How quickly did you realize like, Hey, this could be something more than just mm-hmm. like, you know, bringing in some people of the community together. Yeah. And when, when did you, you know, flip the switch of, we want this to have official board into what it is now of over 5,000 members, right? Yeah. It took, it took a, a several years. So we started in 2012 and it was really just me and a, like one other person that were making it all happen. And there was always some amount of momentum, but I was always afraid of what it would mean to turn that momentum into something. And so it wasn't until I think it was like early 2016, actually, where a friend of mine sat me down and she said, listen, you've got this great thing going. Why don't you just actually double down on it? Because I think it could turn into something even more amazing than it is. And it was that mind shift of someone from the outside thinking that it was more amazing. Like I already knew it was amazing, but I needed that validation. And from there, I just was ready to go. So had like enlisted the help of the people that were already surrounding me. We found pro bono attorney support and turned it into a 501c3 and it just took off. Right. And it's funny you, you, you mentioned at that point, it's like every startup, whether it's a nonprofit or people have that inflection point, right? Yeah. Like, am I going to go all in? Yeah. And so you have, you know, obviously a full-time day job here in JAMA and, um, so you're hiring an executive director. I mean, that's a big step for an organization. So what are you looking for in that person? And like, what's, what's kind of the impact now that you're going to be more yeah. you know, structurally set up that way? Right. So just the first thing to make sure is clear is that we're mostly volunteer run today. And we've been doing that for six years which I think anyone would know is not a sustainable operation, at least in the long run. And we'd always sort of known that at some point we would need to hire staff, but it became clear this year, like, this needs to happen right away. So what we're planning to do with the executive director, and right now it'll be a part-time position, is to have that person help us really 
fundraise. Well, two of us are doing this in our side time. And uh, with the fundraising, then, of course, operational, we just need someone to basically be at the helm of the organization because I'm doing that in addition to my role being on the board. And like you said, I have a full-time job. I also have two kids. There's just a point in my life where I can't do everything all the time. (laughs) Yeah, it's like every second you get, you're probably on email. Yeah, exactly. So... um, and you do really have good support from corporations here in town. Was yeah. that like a, an immediate kind of receptive thing of, of companies here in town wanting to support this? Or No, it took a while. So our first full year, we were completely not supported until one company actually came forward and said they wanted to support us. And I was floored. I didn't, I couldn't believe it. And then it took another year of knocking on doors, asking for support. And then after that, like the rest of the four years have been very straightforward. People are super excited to help us. And in fact, we're getting to the point where we are creating a little bit more process in terms of who we want to work with, because we actually believe that our community cares deeply about the companies and, and they look at who supports us and they believe that we're essentially like endorsing companies and we're coming up with sponsorship guidelines to make sure that the companies that we work with are actually solid and supportive of what we're doing. I love that approach because it is so important. It, you know, it evolves from, Oh, you have money. Like, yes. (laughs) But, and then it's like, no, we want the sponsors to reflect the values of what we do. So, um, we'll shift gears a little bit and talk about chasing grace. Uh, you, you meant, I mean, this posting you did on TA was kind of, leading up to your involvement of that. Um, I know a little bit about it, but can you tell me just, you know, more what it is, how you got involved and, and what's kind of the, the goal of it? Right. So the executive producer, Jennifer Clower, she has basically decided that this is her way of being a part of the narrative of what's going on in our society today and our culture in terms of moving the needle forward for women in tech. And so she is crafted this docu documentary series Like you said, with six episodes, each episode will feature a different city and people in that city. And the first one is Portland. And I believe she chose Portland because that's where she's from. It's near and dear to her heart. So I actually didn't know about the Chasing Grace project until a few months ago. She was written up in the Oregonian. And uh, a member of our board's husband actually saw it written in the Oregonian. And he was like, wait, why aren't you all in this? And so I actually emailed uh, the executive producer, Jennifer, and I just said, we want to support you. Tell us how we can do it. And her and I met for coffee. She, of course, started interviewing me sort of like off the cuff and uncovered my gender pay gap story and sort of the, the rest is history. Interesting. Okay. So does she, um, is she focused on just inter- interviewing different people in the, each community uh, that's featured and, and talking about? Yeah. So to- leading up to the project, she's been interviewing people across the nation. Okay. And then through that, she's come up with her themes, which I, I don't know what all of the themes yeah, are. Yeah. Uh, and then is basing, you know, collecting the voices in respective cities mm-hmm. on around certain topics. Mm-hmm. And it has, it's been, Getting a lot of press, mm-hmm. you know, and um, obviously I've been seeing it pop up. So it's definitely hit a chord and there's really nothing, nothing like it. It's no, been kind of done, right? Definitely not. So the premiere here in Portland, you're having like a screening, yep. right? Do you know kind of details for that? Is it? Yeah. It's at the Hollywood theater on March 25th and tickets are free, but they're filling up quite fast. Yeah. So yeah, we're excited. Cool. Um, I want to talk about Portland. Yeah. 
you know, you, you were here in 2001, uh, even though you grew up in this area. I moved here in 2006. It's changed a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, what's your thoughts on that? I mean, in respect to business and respect to the opportunities there is, but also maybe some of the cons where we're not quite there yet. Mm-hmm. And I would love just get your thoughts on that. Yeah, I guess my just overall perspective of Portland is, I mean, we certainly are relatively new to the tech scene relative to other cities, right? We still don't quite have a good sense as to where we fit in the giant national ecosystem. And and that's something that we're really trying to push that forward, at least in the news media and making sure that like the New York Times knows that there's a lot of really good stuff happening here and we actually have a voice. I, I don't know if you've heard our Mayor Wheeler talk about it, but he's really adamant that our identity is as a tech hub is very different than a Silicon Valley. Right. So we he want actually, to be. Yeah, yeah, we want to be. So even though we call ourselves Silicon Floors, let, let's be honest, like we're very, very different. Like the two, like the words are, shouldn't even be like used to describe us. So like we're, we, so one thing I, I do know about what we're, what we're doing here is there is a stronger sense of community uh, more so than exists in other cities. Like I have talked to people in San Francisco or in, New York City, and they're extremely impressed with what we're doing and the amount of community and support there is. Now, that said, because we don't have household name type companies, it's difficult. Uh, we, we, I shouldn't say difficult. It's, it's not, we don't get the same airtime. So the issues that we uh, have, I think, exist, like that are related to Silicon Valley or other big cities, but we're not getting the same airtime because we just don't have the same names. Yeah. So I'm having, we're having a hard time surfacing some of the challenges because it's just not as newsworthy. Yeah. And it's a balance because at the same time, we don't want that. You know, we don't want the, the we don't uh, want the bad press. Yeah. But we don't want the newsworthy, maybe uh, news, you know, top of mind news things that some of the other cities are known for. We want to create our own identity. Sure. And so, you know, obviously Working with Mayor Wheeler and other public entities to to shape that is important, but we also have a life. It's going to take a life of its own, mm-hmm. right? With companies like JAMA yeah, uh, leading exactly. the way. So, um, again, you've been here yeah since two thousand one. That's important. You know, we do have such a great quality of life here. Mm-hmm. Do you feel that's changed? I mean, now that we're we're growing and we're kind of bursting out the seams a little bit, or in I a good do. way, maybe, or, or uh, I, I I do. I mean, it, it's very obvious that there is a continued and growing homelessness problem, and I think we would be joking ourselves if we thought that our uh, sort of quality of life was sort of like a universal thing that everyone here has. It's just yeah. not possible. Yeah. So I think that it's incumbent on us as members of the community and as a part of the tech industry where we can try to use our resources and our skills and tools available to us to try to solve some of these problems yeah. because they're not going away. And eventually it will affect our ability to attract talent. Right. And uh, we certainly want everyone here to be able to live a productive and healthy life. Yeah. Cause you kind of grew up in a smaller area. I grew up in Southern Oregon, Southern part of the state and Portland is such a natural hub for people like me from small rural communities to come up. And uh, I hope that doesn't change, you right. know, cause it's getting tougher for the kids like them to come up and find a place to live. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, so the other thing I did want to talk about is, uh, shoot, I lost my train of thought, but more around the, yeah, the funding part of it. You know, I know 
you have a nonprofit, uh, but you know you probably see a little bit of how the funding works with JAMA. Um, more and more investors are looking at companies here. I mean, what are some important things maybe you know startups should know about the investing community here in Portland? Yeah, I don't have a lot of experience okay. with the, that community. Yeah, uh, I'll be honest. I mean, what we try to do is ensure that the the access to investors and the types of things that investors are interested in or the different kinds of investment, that that information is available and accessible to our community. Like, for example, we're actually doing a pitch workshop coming up in the next couple, like next month, actually, okay. where a pers- perspective entrepreneurs can come and find out details about what the different options are. But I, I'm personally not like deep in, in sure. investment community. Yeah. But you're, you know, you are, you surround yourself by you know, people creating companies. So I think you'll yeah. naturally learn. And, you know, Portland does have a lot of, we only have a few big companies here. You know, mm-hmm. we have the Nikes and Intels of the worlds and a lot of it is non-tech. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the folks I work with my events are in, you know, it's non-tech companies. What are some things you would want them to know, not just about PDX Women in Tech, but maybe just the tech community here in general, if they're, if they're kind of disconnected from that? Because I think they're always um, looking to get more involved in that, whether through, you know, attracting talent that is a company that's a hundred years old that's been here mm-hmm. and they're trying to re right. <laughs> brand themselves. Right. So I, I think what I would say is, I mean, any company that exists today has some component of their work that relates to tech and there's a really vast talent pool here. It just is how like they need to know how to connect to it. Cause it's not that simple. So I would encourage folks like large companies that have, obviously they all have IT departments to start thinking about connecting with organizations like PDX Women in Tech or other others that exist on tapping into our communities for that talent because it will, having that diverse talent is going to then allow them to have the right minds at the table to be creative in solving the problems that they need to solve. Yeah, and I think there's a hunger for them to do that. It's just, you know, finding that way or the best fit yeah. and uh, I think it's great so we'll make it so where can people find it's pdxwit.org right exactly um, and then uh, Chasing Grace uh, in a couple of weeks the premiere so really appreciate you being on the podcast thanks so much my pleasure